Too many people, including myself, once upon a time, believed that all the ideas were done and it's actually in that moment when you should do those things. It seems like it's all been done before, but it hasn't been done by you. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts, Chantal Nash and Gary Norton from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. I don't really know how to introduce you, Ram. I was looking at all of these things that you've done and there's so many to list. So I, if you could introduce yourself and how, how do you describe yourself? Sure, well, uh, my name is Ram Castillo. I am a uh, formerly trained graphic designer, uh, graduated in 2004. And uh, right now I would describe myself as a series of different hyphens. Um, I uh, am still a practicing designer and I design uh, customer experiences for brands and businesses around the world. Um, and that lives in many different touch points from print to digital to web uh, to branding, advertising, service design, product design, a whole myriad of, of different, uh, different touch points there. And uh, I also have, for the last four years, been helping design better designers and that on a practical level looks like uh, helping emerging designers be employed and helping established designers get to that next level and uh, those solutions have to this point lived in two different books so I'm an author uh, the first one is called how to get a job as a designer and the second one that just came out last month is called How to Get a Mentor as a Designer. And uh, as we're speaking now, I'm in Manhattan, New York City, uh, and am halfway done through my USA two-month tour. And there's about 20, 20 different cities I'll be visiting over this time. Uh, I'm also a blogger and a podcaster and uh, also uh, a speaker. And... All of these things have just come about through my ventures uh, in giantthinkers.com and it really just started off as a blog trying to facilitate and scratch my own itch of what I felt was lacking, which was information to help uh, my younger self because I I found it really hard to get my foot in the door in the the design industry and uh, it's kind of taken a life of its own. And you mentioned that you got started as a as a graphic designer. When I was talking with Gary about uh, setting this up, he kind of had that question as to, you know, what does designer really mean? Because there's so many different kinds of designers. And so you touched on that a little bit. But for you personally, what helped propel you into this profession and this lifestyle, as I know you've talked about it before? Yeah, it's it's uh it's an ever-evolving uh, definition, uh, Chantel and Gary. You know, this uh, term designer, when you walk out on the street, I can guarantee you that 80 to 90% of people are going to say, oh, okay, so you, you make stuff look pretty on the computer. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that, that uh, association to the visual. And, and the visual is, is a part of it. Of course, um, you have to have an understanding of of how the idea will will live or the solution but but the the other part of being a designer uh, really ties back to 
two other pillars. So if visual craftsmanship was one pillar, the other two would be having a business mind, being a business thinker. And the third pillar would be problem solving. And when, when we look at the bigger ecosystem at hand, it's not just designing an identity for a company, nor is it designing a, a launch campaign for a new product or service. Uh, that's all actually at the tail end, at the very end of, of the interactive experience or, or, or the, uh, the interaction. Being a designer is, is a lifestyle. It is the way with which you and I experience the world. I believe there's a designer in all of us uh, because being a designer implies having an endless amount of curiosity. It's in that curiosity, it's asking the questions, what's missing? How can this be better? And, and so when you think about that, you ha actually have the capacity from a micro standpoint to a macro, really looking at reverse engineering the outcome that you're after. And I think what separates a good designer from a great one is someone that, that really takes that question uh, of what is the objective to a level of emotion and intent. So the intention could be, how can we make the world a better place, right? And that can live in so many different ways. The main thing is not to assume that the answer is already feeding the homeless or, or you know, uh, more housing. I think it can, those answers and then even more. It's, it's like, you know, it's the ability to, um, to explore and to never assume and to um, dissect many different avenues and, and cultivating all of that and then making a decision. You had mentioned in uh, a previous interview with Flipsnack that being a great designer and skilled communicator are both expressions of influencing human behavior and interaction. I love that and I think what you just said connected back to that because in life, that's really what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to communicate our messages, but do that in a way that inspires action or that helps somebody else to achieve their goals. So when it comes to doing that in your everyday life, even if you're not a designer, I mean, you mentioned that everybody is really a designer. How do you think that anybody can take that kind of mindset or, a or skills in a design approach and apply it to everyday problems or to maybe just their own life? Yeah, uh, it's, that's a super great question. I, I think in simple terms, when you look at where you are right now, if you really look at the position that you're in right now, everything that you have right now all started with a thought. It, it all started with an intentional idea in your mind and you worked towards that. Now, that might be as simple as a, as a tangible object that you wish you wanted and then you saved for it or a holiday or um, that job that you've always wanted and you've worked really hard for that and you took you know, the side steps and then the forward steps and then some more side steps, sometimes some back steps, but you eventually made your way to, to that place. And I think when it comes to designing um, for the everyday person, that's exactly it. It's just that they might not be in tune or, or too conscious about that method. Um, when, when we look at design, it is a combination of a ton of research. Uh, it's a combination of collaborating with others, 
it's a combination of releasing it or trying it uh, as a phase one or maybe a uh, 1.0 version, iterating and then tweaking and, and going uh, at it again. Uh, design is never a, a destination that you reach. I do think those iteration points that you mentioned, you know, marry up exactly with how we describe uh, this process in GE called FastWorks, where you, you take some leap of faith assumptions, um, you, you progress forward, and uh, then you, you check progress, and uh, you either iterate or you pivot and change directions. And that's, you know, kind of along the lines of what you were describing. Yeah, um, and I'm just trying to think of an example here. Um, so... For the everyday person, right, like, um, or, or anyone listening, um, I think that the, the the main thing to do is is to have a plan. What are those phases? What does the first iteration look like? And um, one thing that I have found through my ventures and through the projects that I've worked on, um, you know, I I was able to work on McDonald's Create Your Taste last year in in uh, Sydney, where you build your own burger. Basically, you go up to a McDonald's and you use the touch screen and you don't interact with a human being until the, the server is presenting the burger to you on a wooden board. And when, when you look at projects like that, the product had already been communicated well before that, like two months before, if that, um, you know, even, even maybe a bit more through other touch points, especially through email and through the Facebook page of McDonald's or um, all those types of things. And um, when you look at the outcome of a very large organization like that to something as simple as, I don't know, learning Spanish or, or uh, getting uh, a bit more comfortable in front of 10 people in a room to present your idea. Uh, all of those things can be reverse engineered. And I think what scares a lot of people is that they make things worse than they are. I have a very uh, measured approach to things. So if if one was to say, oh, I'm not that great in Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign or Premiere Pro or, or anything like that, I actually would then question and say, well, how good do you want to be? Because Adobe is going to update every five seconds anyway. So um, you, you can never keep up. So what's the minimum amount that you need to upskill? What is the amount that you need to get quote unquote good at Spanish? What's the minimum amount that you need to be comfortable in front of an audience? Is it 10? Is it, is it a thousand? And, and how, how does comfortable look like? How does getting good look like? You know, too often we find people that say that, you know, I want to, I want to be rich. You know, there was this guy that I, uh, this, this uh, emerging designer who said to me uh, during Q and A, he goes, I, you know, I, my goal is to be rich. I just want to be swimming in it. <laughs> and I'm like, going, oh my God, here we go. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I was like, like a million, a billion. I'm like, how do you even know how that looks like? Um, and he's, he just, he just said, I, I don't know. I just, I just want to be rich. And then I said, okay, well, how does, I don't know, one, 150K a year sound for you? And this, mind you, this is like a, a 19, 20 year old kid. And he said, um, oh yeah, 150,000 a year. Yeah, I, I could do something with that. Um, so. So oftentimes when we look at um, 
when we look at using design to apply to our everyday or to uh, apply to that next venture, there's that, there's that side of things. And then there's also, well, hold on a minute. Am I just trying to come up with something or do something different just because, or, or does it really speak to my core values? You know, what, what is, what is my compass made of? Um, and I'm a big believer in that, in that everything that you choose is a vehicle. It's not a new idea or what I'm saying here, but it's certainly something that my mentors have taught me. And it's that for me, then, if I value generosity, creativity, uh, freedom, adventure, uh, endless learning, then everything that I'm choosing is an intentional decision towards those values. Now, I might not meet all of those values, Sometimes I just want to eat the ice cream and look, look at the view <laughs> on the beach and, and, and that's just ticking, you know, my, uh, my freedom side. I just feel free. Um, but when you do get to a point where you have ticked all of those five or so values, it is then the idea of you doing something that the world, uh, do, doing something that the world needs that you can offer it. Um, and I often say that to to a lot of uh, emerging designers and I who have all these crazy ideas, right? It, the ideas are actually it's not that we're not in a shortage of ideas. Right. It's, we are we are not at all in a shortage of ideas. We are in a lack of of what patience and and um, sacrifice and hustle really means, um, and that is that. It's not f four months and then you try that one thing and then it's and you throw in the towel because you're not getting the results you're after. It's 10 years, if not more, of going at it every single day. And um, yeah, I think I think that um, we are in a culture of instant gratification, but it is in that world of comparison. There's an NFL coach who said that comparison is the enemy of happiness mm. and we live in this world of just scrolling yeah. um through feeds and and so when i when i when i going back to your question on um on being a designer is is and a skilled communicator are both expressions of influencing human behavior we all have that gift it's it's just that we need to define our objective more specifically and measure measure that outcome and, and so we have something to compare it against. Um, and I say measure that outcome. Again, is it if you were a leader and you were to say that I want my employees to be happy, well, how are you measuring that happiness? Have you actually asked the question? Um, one of my uh, mentors once said to me, the best way to motivate someone is to find what already motivates them. And, and for me, that's been such a powerful thought in this influencing of human behavior, because then you're not pushing uphill. They're going towards that direction on their own terms, and you're just kind of presenting, you know, a, a banana in their way. You're presenting a bottle of water in their way as they go on their journey. You're helping <laughs> them, giving them nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking of Mario Kart in there and like a banana and people slipping out of control. <laughs> exactly. Uh <laughs> If you give him the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, one thing that you said too is if people don't necessarily know where they want to go, having them just start to try something and as part of that process, 
honing in on on that end state of what it is because sometimes people might not know and that might be the reason that they're not starting and so just starting small and starting to begin with and knowing that any failures that come out of that are going to actually help you get to the end result faster than if you were to just wait until you had a perfect plan that is is i think really important too and another aspect of the fast works process that we have in ge but i think to your point that could apply to a lot well, of different contexts Chantel, you know, you touched on a really good point there and and a question that I get a lot of, um, whether it's on Twitter, email or, or live Q&A, and that is that, you know, how do you know? How do you know that this is, this is you know, my, the, you know, the thing that I should go all in on or how, how do you know if this is right for me? And my answer to that is very simple and it's that you don't, you don't know um, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's the whole spaghetti on the wall. Um, chuck the spaghetti, see what sticks, mm -hmm. and genuinely try it for a, a uh, significant amount of time. Um, you only know what you know. And I know that might sound ultra simplistic, but um, I think that there's two parts to that. There's people are too much into the theory and not, into, not, not diving into the practice, mm -hmm. the daily, daily practice. And then there's the not doing it for enough time to really find out because when when you look at um, innovation when when you look at anything that was truly innovative a it was never voted up voted upon by the general population it was seen as crazy talk um, when you look at innovation they they had the, the thing that had stopped many innovative ideas had been internal politics it had been um, this culture of, oh, if you fail, that's looked down upon when we should celebrate failure because it's an avenue that you've ticked off as something that didn't work. Let's explore another one. Um, there is a somewhat in some organizations, a culture of cynicism. Oh, no, that wouldn't work here. And it's like, hold on. Have you tried it, though? Have you tried it? And also embracing looking outside. Um, it's it's not bad to 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 kind of look outside and to see what are they doing halfway across the world, or not even what are they doing in the next city? How have they survived twenty, thirty, forty years of business? And it just happened to marry up with something I read the other day on the web. Uh, it said something like, uh, "The light bulb wasn't invented by continuously improving the candle," right? Which mm. In GE, we're all about continuous improvement, right? And it started to make me think when you guys were talking, okay, so, you know, as a designer, you know, whether it's furniture or whatever, you know, when do you stand back and go, I can make that chair look better, function better? Like, at what point does somebody look at an object as a designer and say, you know, I'm not going to improve on that particular thing, but I'm going to come up with something totally new, mm. right? Um and I, I would, couldn't help think about all the engineers in GE and all the designers in GE that might be stuck in a rigid design, you know, engineering type box and not getting out of the box. Gary, that's so, that's that's really great that you brought that up. You, you know what I've learned um, as a service designer doing a lot of um, so so when I say service design, a lot of what I've been doing now is projects where you design the customer experience and. Parallel to that, you design the staff experience to enable that. So it's no longer just user experience and you're just designing for the user. 
the user interacts in many different ways. So with that dimension of thinking, they need to break the pattern. They need to go out into the user's world and everything that the user interacts with. And then also look at what is the, the, the staff or the, the experience of the, uh, the person who is enabling all those things to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were just reminding me of the little video clip where I watched you presenting recently and, and you said, you know, if it seems like everything has been done for, it hasn't been done by you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a quote that I, I say a lot of and end um, some of my talks on. Uh, when it seems like everything's been done before, it hasn't been done by you. I think that too many people, including myself, okay, once upon a time, believed that all the ideas were done and, you know, why, why should I start this thing called a blog? I mean, blogs have been around for ages. Why should I write a book? I mean, books have been around for ages. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually um, in that moment when you should do those things. Because what it's funny, when I've really observed myself and taken times to meditate and reflect, um, there are so many instances where I've self-sabotaged and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate. Um, when we pursue something, there are so many reasons that hinder us. And so then with everything that we've, going back to that thought of, of if, you know, everything we have right now, especially all the good things, at one point it was just the thought living in our heads. And it's no different to that crazy idea that you have. Um, it, it, you know, Chantel and Gary, if you said to me that, um, oh, you know, did you pursue to be a speaker, author, podcaster? Um, did you pursue to, to be these things? No, I didn't. I didn't know that it would look like that. What I had focused on was, I'm going to give you four things, okay, four things of what, I, what has helped me navigate uh, with my pursuit or ventures or whatever you want to call it. And the first one is, uh, is it something that you enjoy? Are you going to enjoy it? The second one is, are you somewhat decent at it? And, and you don't have to be great at it, but are you, are you fairly good at it? Now, that might be through natural talent. That might be through experiences that you've had. The, the third is, can you make money from it? You've got to feed yourself to have a roof over your head. And the fourth thing is, are you solving a problem? Now, that doesn't have to be a deep human need, but are you genuinely serving others? in a way that is valuable and helpful to them. Um, and then when I looked at that, I looked at that and I thought, hold on a minute, you know, these things can happen through a blog and a podcast and books and all these things, speaking engagements, and a paper, a piece of paper to give permission is not at all a part of the puzzle. Um, a piece of paper can be to a point, a great measure of credibility. But when it comes down to it, Michael Jackson didn't need a piece of paper to sing. Walt Disney got fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination. Um, Colonel Sanders started KFC at 65. David Beckham was born with asthma. And so when you look at all these greats and you tie it back to yourself, it seems like it's all been done before, but it hasn't been done by you. No one's ever walked the same path you've walked. 
no one's had your parents, no one's um, spoken your language, no one's been in your head. And the idea of, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe is true. You all have a story to tell and you all have a voice. Um, and, I, and I think that it speaks to, to all those things I've just uh, rambled on about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, those are all really powerful things. And there's those elements of vulnerability and being exposed mm. anytime you have an opinion. You, uh, you mentioned, you know, people, people compare and people will critique and that you have to take the good with the bad. And I think that's something that oftentimes people don't realize the return on their investment that they're going to get. Yes, there may be some people who disagree, but there will probably be many more people outweighing that with the positive that you'll receive from that. Mm, that that's a big part of part of progression. The uh, vulnerability is the key word there. It's it, you know if you listen to any of Brene Brown stuff, she's amazing yes. and she talks deep, deep into this, and I will not do it justice. But <laughs> um, but the idea and my understanding of it in my own experiences has been that. The more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are because you become more relatable. You become a person that is speaking to your own truth barrel. Power, not in a negative context at all, but power in an empowering way, in a, in a way that you, you feel deeply aware of your why. And you, you can't actually affect people fully by, uh, by not showing your whole self. Um, it's like if you are nervous, you're going to reflect, you're going to have that same feeling reflected back at you. And it's the same. If you are 100% genuine and vulnerable as you put your creation into the world, whether it's a blog post or even as simple as an Instagram post, um, not necessarily all the way into the other end, like a full on business or a venture or, or a product, um, the vulnerability is the whole thing of, of you, you in the ring and the credit goes to the person that's in the ring, slugging it out day in, day out because they're showing the world that they are giving it a go and they're sharing their failures, their wins, their, all of it. Um, and I think it's a huge, uh, it's a huge, um, piece of the puzzle. The, it's a big, it's a big weapon when it comes to success in business, when it comes to success in a product, um, you will have haters, <laughs> people that will have an opinion and critique you. And, and, and that's, that's great. It means that you, you, you're onto something. Like I said, everything innovative was never voted upon. It means that that is a direct measure of you're shaking things up. You're disrupting the world and uh, hopefully in a good way. Um, because everything up until that point has been the same, same. Who are you to, to have an opinion? Well, the fact is everyone has one and they're going to use it despite you being locked in a basement down on, under your, your house, not saying a word, they're still going to have one. Um, the best thing to do is you might as well use it and that you, you have to take it with a grain of salt. You are, your audience isn't the world little piece of that pie. Yeah. And so what for you have been some of the biggest challenges in the work that you do, or again, even in your personal life as you work through thinking in these ways? 
Oh, the biggest challenges, um, everything. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because um, uh, I've, I'm now at a point where, um, where I will go to a conference and then, you know, people will, will stop me and, and, and say hello and it's so nice and I'm pinching myself every time it happens. But the challenge is, is, is that is, is no different to anyone else. And that's actually what I've realized. It's, the challenge is actually to not feel like you've made it at all or not feel like you've done enough. Uh, what's the saying? Never leave good enough alone. Um, I love that. I, I, I think that um, more and more uh, that I'm speaking with my mentors, um, and I bring mentors a lot uh, up a lot because I do see that as a, as a huge part of accelerating anyone's success, uh, anyone's version of success. So, so the, the challenges and struggles still come down to the inner self uh, lack of self confidence the the battle in my head the emotional roller coaster um it's just that i'm more and more learning to prioritize my emotions and and um and internal struggles better i really do believe that the stories we tell ourselves are the most hindering or the most empowering there's there's that the the, the image that comes to mind is is the caterpillar I mean, if you were a caterpillar, you know, rolling along on your slow, merry <laughs> way, right? And you were like, huh, I'm just this. I'm a caterpillar. Um, you know, there is no evidence to suggest to the caterpillar that it's going to turn into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is nothing to suggest that. But I see that very much like um, what we can achieve in this lifetime. Um, I think we underestimate ourselves. I think it's Steve Jobs who actually said that something along the lines of, you know, we, we've grown up to, to get a great job, to make, to save some decent money, to try to go on our way and not, not bang on too many walls, to live a nice life, to raise a family. And he said, is that it? Surely not. That we, we have the opportunity to be so much more than we think. Um, and I'm slowly realizing that. And, and the key word there is, is think, like think more, think beyond. I, I, I mean, my, I'll tell you, I'll leave you guys with a little story. Um, when I was four years old, my, uh, mom, my, mother, my mother was cooking uh, spaghetti. And I remember very clearly uh, because I used to collect empty tissue boxes and toilet paper rolls to build robots. Um, no, no iPods, iPads back then. <laughs> and um, I was building this robot. And my mom said to me, um, "Hey, Ram, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And I didn't even look at her. I was busy, you know, I was doing my thing. And I said to her, uh, "I don't know. I just, I just want to make stuff." And then she stopped and she put her hand on my left shoulder and said, um, "Okay, well, whatever you do, make sure you dream bigger, much, much bigger." And throughout my whole life, she just kept reminding me to think bigger, be, be bigger than, than what you think you're capable of. And um, time and time again, I met with that very same uh, drive in my mentors. One of them who, who said something really beautiful, and I'll never forget it. He said, keep your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground. Think bigger. And um, it's funny, right? My, my, uh, my blog's called Giant Thinkers and, and my handle, The Giant Thinker, and it really ties back to all that. It's the mindset. It's, 
it's nothing new. You, we've all heard it before. What you believe can be conceived, and it all starts with the mind. It manifests through what you believe deep in you, and um, and and all of that while staying humble and vulnerable and and true. Um, it's okay. Like you're gonna find your way eventually. It's just that we need to give ourselves more credit. We need to plant more seeds. We need to have more conversations. There's help out there whether it's on the internet or one-on-one, there's podcasts like this. We've got to give ourselves more chances to win. Um, And and I think that um, the question is, how do you then have a better mindset? Well, how many books have you read this year? Because each book, you're, you're diving into someone's life, someone's lifetime. So a thousand books is a thousand people in your army. How many podcasts have you listened to? What blog post did you read today? Um, there are so many ways to make it better in your head. It's just like taking a shower. You got to do it daily. Motivation, inspiration, same thing too. And, and so that is a big part of it, being where it's better. When you think about um, how to balance some of these things, which I think is, is a theme that we're also bringing up throughout this conversation, there's that strategy behind how you're going to do what you're going to do or just simply acting. And, and then also, um, well, sorry, there's the planning of what you're going to do and then the acting of the mm. doing. So how do you balance those? And especially when it comes to people utilizing social channels, whether it's for learning or to get their, their own um, products or their own brand out there. There was recently an article I read, and I'm sure there's many more of them, but there was an individual who intentionally has no social media accounts uh, at all, and the whole reason behind it was that it makes it hard to to focus, um, and I'll have to get the find the article and cite it again because I, I forgot where it was, but it was an interesting point because it is like a double-edged sword in the sense that you kind of, you need those things as much as they can be a distraction, they help give us exposure to all of the different ideas that are out in the world. I mean, I wouldn't have met you had I not been poking around on Periscope one day and just wanting to ask you whether or not there are giant spiders in Australia. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, so there's there's that that is extremely helpful, but at the same time, I can absolutely see how it can be uh, a black hole. It can distract you from what you're doing. So talk to us a little bit about how you balance that strategizing with the doing. Sure. Um, it really comes down to the goal setting. The goal setting are your goalposts. Um, it's like a soccer player kicking a soccer ball around. If he didn't have those goalposts up, then he wouldn't know where to kick. He wouldn't know to take a sidestep, to go left or right, to go back, to pass, to go forward. Um, the problem is that the goal setting is either a, a to-do list that is a novel and it's just it's just paralysis of too many goals and ideas um, or that the goal um, the goal ha- hasn't got a deep why attached to it why is it that we pay our bills right on time why is it that we turn up to that personal training meeting um, because we've paid that X amount of money and then there's a person waiting for us um, why is it that um, we go to work at 9 a.m.? Because it's on a contract. All of these things tie down to being accountable to other people. So, so when it comes to goal setting, I think the, 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 either that they've got 
too many goals and they don't do any, or, and or, rather, that the goal isn't a must. It's just a, a should. And how do you turn your shoulds into must? Well, you've got to put more people on the line. You've got to put more, 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 uh, more of a accountability to it. You know, to your question, you know, how do you balance and, and how do you act on the right things? Truth be told, we've all got 24 hours in the day. And the, the point is to, you've got to choose. You've got to learn to say no as well. Like saying no to the right things that are not in line with your goal that you've set is good. Not going out for that drink, not, not getting lost in the newsfeed of Instagram or, or Facebook or LinkedIn. It, it's setting the minimum amount of time progressively to your goals. Now, take an example, my first book. I wrote that first book, How to Get a Job as a Designer, after um, me being in that exact rut. I was working full-time hours and I had my own personal life and the ups and downs of that. I had my my blog, uh, Giant Thinkers, to run and my social media to, to stay on top of and reply back to all these emails. I, I do love to keep fit and try to train, you know, four or five times a week or at least get the body moving. And how did I write the book despite all that? Well, I, I applied one simple rule. It's uh, So if you Google AIGA uh, 10 minutes, and my name, that'll, that'll pop up. But, but it's simple. 10 minutes a day, time yourself and commit to that 10 minutes. Because I found that even half an hour was too much. Like you can psych yourself out. Uh, if you get home, you turn on Netflix or whatever you're watching, The Bachelor, I don't know, whatever you're into. And, and, and you watch, watch something and then you, you eat a snack. And then next thing you know, you should have gone to the gym. But for some reason, you can't get off that couch. And that's what I found. I knew my behavior. I knew myself well enough that what is the minimum amount of time then where, where that couldn't happen? And it was 10 minutes. 10 minutes was small enough for me to make some progress and also um, enough for me to, to, to not psych myself out. So whether I had a migraine or I was stressed or I, you know, was all these things, I knew that 10 minutes I could dedicate to that task. And for me, it was writing the book. Um, and that 10 minutes sometimes was just 10 minutes. And I honestly didn't write one word, but I sat there and I thought about it. Sometimes you just need to think, but sometimes that 10 minutes can turn into an hour. And it did. Sometimes that 10 minutes turned into two hours and it was amazing. Uh, the momentum was there. So it goes back to what is your objective? Now, if we look at social media as a tool, that's fine if you don't use it, but if your objective was to reach more people and to show your, your, uh, your brand and extend your personality to others, well, that's a major downside. But if that doesn't mean anything to you because it's got nothing to do with your goals or values, that's great. You've won. That's your version of happiness. Unbelievable. That's amazing. Um, for me, I look at social media as a big, big part of my mission and vision of reaching those things, of, of, of designing better designers. I can't do that without social media. And I'm actually so thankful it exists because the key to social media is in the first word. It's very simple. Um, be social, get out there, have the conversations. I mean, I always tell people something as simple as a blog post that you've liked, that you've, that you've read, that's moved you, that's resonated with you. 
who who here listening listening has actually um, written on that bottom part that says comments. So many of us have the opportunity to reach the author or, or the writer of that post, and we just read it and then that's it. We just don't interact. Um, there's opportunities around us to use social media in a way that it was built for, which is to connect with people, to have conversations that are in line. The gone are the days where, you know, a company would put on an ad and go, yeah, that's cool, I'm going to buy that. You know, it is now not at all where the attention is. And Gary Vaynerchuk says a lot about this. The attention is in the Snapchat, in the Instagram, in the Facebook, in the Twitter. And it is the new channels. It is the new um, NBC. It is the new um, ESPN. It is the new, you, you know, um, USA Today. Like, like this, the TV will always be there, but the pie is expanding to other forms of attention. And I think some people could and, and will argue that there's so, so much going on on social media that how authentic are people on that? But I, I say that and my approach to this is this is so much a part of how we learn even before social media came about we learned so much socially whether it was just through talking to other people or observing other people that this really has just heightened the ways that we do that so even with the negative parts you can still learn something about people's behavior and maybe how you can influence that better or maybe you can connect with somebody to understand them better i'm on my soapbox a little bit right now <laughs> <laughs> i love it but yes um I agree with you is what okay. I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, well, look, look, the fact of the matter is that everyone's going to have an opinion. The, the, the truth is that not many people are respecting social media. The, the, the point is that um, it's still, in, in my mind, it is still better than the alternative because you can take the good and leave the bad. That's what we're doing. We're curating. We're curating people. We're curating information. And you know what, Chantel and Gary, the fact of the matter is people are going to believe what they want to believe. And I think just staying open to being, to, to learning, I think that's the most important thing. Never close yourself off to, at a minimum, understanding somebody else um, or, or ideally getting more information to, to help improve or add on or adjust what you already might know. And, well, well, that's where the respect comes in because it's actually needed um, uh, into uh, the disagreements, mm -hmm. the, the, the butting of heads, that's important. That's important. Um, and, you know, especially with places that I've worked, um, you know, over 12 years now in the, in the design industry, you need that tension. You need disagreements. Um, but there's a way of disagreeing and coming to a place of collaboration that wouldn't have been found without it. You are a great mentor uh, yourself. I know you've written the book about that, but I think just you and yourself being such a great friend to so many people, as I know you are. Absolutely. So for the listeners, Chantel, I remember her. She um, hopped on my Periscope, and then um, this is a perfect example of how, how beautiful social media can be. Uh, and, and uh, you know, she's followed me on my journey. She's been active on um, the other channels. And then uh, I... Um, to my surprise, re re received an email from Chantel with the, the domain name uh, ending with GE. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, GE.com. 
and she introduced herself and I, I just felt like I already knew her. She felt like she really knew me. And um, we almost did this in person because I did an event yeah. at White Plains in New York and, and Chantel was saying she's very close to there, like only 20 minutes away. Um, but uh, I'm no different on social media, on video, on any touch point than I am in, in real life. If for, so for anyone listening that's scared to use social media, there's this uh, sort of feeling sometimes, and I get it, I've been there, of being a dirty salesman. But dirty salesmen are only dirty sales, salesmen uh, because they don't believe in what they're selling. And we get the impression that, oh, that's a bit shady, that's a bit dodgy. And if you're selling, not necessarily a product, but your version of a better world, you can do that with a conversation. You can do that with a Facebook Live. You can do that with a story and captioning your Instagram post. These are all ways to use social media to connect with others and to show um, all the things that you care about. And um, here we are. Now we're, we're, we're recording this. So it's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being open to it and for your time. You are normally based in Australia. You're in New York right now. In case anybody does want to follow you a little bit, where are you headed next or what are your plans for next year in terms of are you going to continue to do any tours or things like that? Yes. So, um, yeah, I am based in Sydney, Australia. I have been um, touring the last two years all over the world. I've done 44 events in two years, which is insane to me. That um, is. <laughs> it's, it's just like, well, uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> catching planes like catching buses is, oh, is actually um, not as glamorous as it seems at all. Um, it, it's it's hard work, but I, I think that um, I'm doing it to be exactly what we were speaking about. You know, to be more authentic and to and to uh, to reach as, as many people as I can. Um, so right now it's the 21st of November as we're recording this. Uh, I'm moving on to. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and then I'm going to speak at Wichita, Kansas at WSU, the university there. Um, then I move on to Grand Rapids, West Michigan, where I speak at a whole bunch of places from universities to high schools, even speaking at Herman Miller again, um, and might do a side trip to Detroit, Chicago, um, and then I will likely go to Seattle and then back to SF. And then home for uh, a very hot, summery uh, Christmas <laughs> in December. So, um, but yeah, and, and you can all find me on uh, giantthinkers.com. But y- look, if you can't get to any of these, I am daily documenting, d- documenting daily rather, um, my, <laughs> uh, my journey on Snapchat and Instagram. So if you go to the giant thinker uh, and add me on, on, that's my handle there, you, you'll get insights into my daily life. Um, and and by all means, if you have a question, you can just ask me straight up on Snapchat. I read everyone, I watch everyone, and and the same with Instagram. Uh, if you send me a direct message, I'll, I'll answer it. So it's really easy to get in touch with me. And I can attest to this: the stories that you've been posting on Instagram are great. They really are like a full story of your day. I'm I'm having fun with it. Some days I I'll only do a few, but uh, yeah. hey, w- when I can, I'll just I'll just keep hammering it out. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. It's great. Keep doing it. Um, so yeah, as, as Ram mentioned, you can find him on giantthinkers.com. That's his website. He also does have the two books, uh, how to, oh, don't let me mess this up. Okay. How to get a job as a designer and how to get a mentor as a designer. Those are both there. And right. again, on social, uh, his handle on Twitter is the giant thinker. Same thing on Instagram, the giant thinker. And uh, you're also a creative live instructor. I don't know if you're, if, uh, if those are still available for folks, if they, yes. They are. Yep. 
Okay. They've, uh, there's two classes up. Um, so I did that in 2015 uh, in January. So, yeah, almost two years ago. Um, uh, both six-hour classes, so 12 hours of content. The first one was called How to Get – sorry. The first one was called uh, Create a Knockout Design Portfolio. And the second workshop that you can grab is called Get the Design Job You Want. And the beauty about those classes is it's uh, it was recorded live and it's now archived for purchase and divided into many small videos and you can watch it at your leisure as many times as you want once you once you purchase that. Thank you so much, Ram. It's been great. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Of course. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.